Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. What's up, Lake Point family? Great to see you guys this weekend. Uh, welcome to all of our campuses. And uh, those of you that are joining us online, so grateful we get to do this together. Uh, my name is uh, Mike Bro, in case you've never met before, and I get to be on the teaching team at this uh, amazing place. And just before I get started, quick shout out to all you Aggie fans. What a big, big win uh, last night. It was really fun to watch. It's always fun to watch Bama get beat, just not being honest. Uh, and, and, and I'm a Kentucky fan. We are 6-0 and right now. The first time since 1950. Usually this time of year we're going, when's basketball season start? But, but hey, it's, it's, so it's a really fun, really fun fall uh, so far. And uh, man, talk about fun. We, we had just coming off of a fascinating and I think impactful series called uh, Thriving in, in Babylon. And if you missed any of that, Man, I'd encourage you to get online, check it out. I was taking a walk this week, had my AirPods in. I was listening to uh, uh, Pastor Joss's message from last weekend, and people are looking at me funny because I'm just walking along going, amen, amen. You know, I was that guy walking on the street just shouting things, and I was, I was so excited as he talked about Jesus coming back. And then to hear him use Jesus and Jack Bauer in the same illustration, uh, my respect just really grew for him. Uh, seriously, y'all, y'all check it out if you missed it. And I'm super excited to get the next two weekends to be with y'all. I don't get to do that very often. So I thought coming out of our Babylon series, where we talked about all of us being a light in, in a dark world, not just, not just surviving, but actually thriving, I thought it might be a good idea to address some of the things that maybe just hinder us from, from doing that. So what we're going to do, going to do a little two-part series that we're calling Cycle Breaker. And I just got to tell you, this stuff has been churning in me for some time now. And the inspiration came from an unusual place. The inspiration actually came from those stupid commercials that say, we can't keep you from becoming your parents. You know the ones I'm talking about? They, they feature this guy, this fictional guy, Dr. Rick, who's trying to help these younger people from uh, becoming their parents in some pretty hilarious ways. Well, just, just take a look. Do you really need a sign to live, laugh, and love? Yes. The answer is no. I can help new homeowners not become their parents. Kiana. Nope. Koei Noah. No. Joaquin. No. It just takes practice. Give it a shot. Do you hear that? Yeah. It's a constant battle. We're going to open a PDF. Who's next? Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto with us. No fussing, no cussing, and no laughing. I mean, those are so great, man. My, my kids bring them up all the time when I ask them to like to fix my phone. Or, or if right in the middle of a conversation, I just start subconsciously stretching. They're going, Dad, their commercial is you. you you're, just, you're just like those guys. 
Uh, the truth is we all inherit some stuff from our parents. And genetically speaking, there's not a whole lot we can do about that. I mean, there's a part of their DNA in us. My nose will always look like my dad. Uh, my, my daughter Jody uh, has my long arms and my hands and her mom's beautiful green eyes. Uh, both my boys are now just as bald as I am. And short of surgery and Botox and Rogaine, nothing's going to change that genetic makeup. But there are other things that you and I can change. And there are some things that get passed along from generation to generation to generation, some good things, as well as some unhealthy things. And I'm just guessing there might be a few of those unhealthy things that you've experienced. And now if you're honest, you're kind of passing those along yourself. So this is going to be a series about unlearning some things. And you need to know I'm not a Dr. Rick, I'm not a Dr. Phil, I'm not even a Dr. Seuss. I'm just a guy who's lived this stuff and I'm learning to lean into my perfect Heavenly Father for a way to live my life in a better way. There's just some things that we have to unlearn. And not only from our parents or our family of origin, but also from our culture, from our friendships. There's things we picked up in the neighborhood. We picked up on the playground. We, we picked up in the locker room. We picked up at school. We picked up on the job. We, we picked up at church. There are lots of people in lots of places that have shaped the way we relate to people and the way we react to life. So please know that this is not a series about bashing our parents. This is not a series about trashing our heritage. This is not about assigning blame. This is about you and me just taking an honest look at ourselves. This is a series that I'm praying will help all of us say, you know what, this generational dysfunction, it has to stop. And it stops with me. With God's help, I'm going to become a cycle breaker. Now next weekend, we're going to talk about unlearning some things about God. And I'm really super excited about unpacking that. And I hope you'll plan to be with us for that. And hope that you'll bring a friend with you that may have some questions about God, or maybe they were burned by religion in some way. Uh, I, I pray that you bring them with you. Uh, but today, in regard to becoming a cycle breaker, I want to start by learning a couple of things from those majestic redwood trees. Anybody been to Redwood National Forest in Northern California? Anybody done that? I've never been. I heard it's just spectacular. In fact, right now, firefighters have been fighting for months to protect Sequoia National Forest. Uh, but I'd love to go there someday. I've only seen the pictures of these majestic trees, but they're just amazing. They grow strong. They soar hundreds of feet into the air, just pointing to the God who made them. I mean, they're just incredible, incredible trees. Now, if you cut through one of those California redwoods and you see a cross-section of that tree, the rings on the inside that you can't see on the outside tell quite a story about the life of that, that tree. Those rings are pretty much the autobiography of that tree's existence. For instance, one ring might reveal a time that there was a severe drought in the forest. Another ring may reveal a time where there was lots of rain and lots of growth. Another ring may reveal a time where the tree got hit by lightning. Another ring may reveal a time where the tree got hit by one of my golf balls. The, the rings of the tree tell a lot about that tree, and you and I have rings too. I mean, if we could cut each other open and see a cross-section of our lives, what would the rings say about us? I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a ring in you that shows the time where a rage-filled father just wounded your soul with his toxic words, and it's still there. Maybe there's a ring that shows the year you brought home a report card that showed significant improvement only to have it compared to your sister's straight A's. Or maybe there's a ring 
that shows a spouse closing the door on a 17-year marriage. And just like that, it was over. Or maybe there's a ring that shows fresh dirt being thrown over the casket of somebody that you love more than anything else in this world. Or maybe there's a ring left with the absence of never hearing the words, I'm proud of you. I, I love you. Or maybe there's a ring that shows the time where you were touched by someone in ways they had no right to ever touch you. Maybe there's a ring that shows how you felt accepted only if you could throw it better, catch it better, run faster, or jump higher. Maybe there's a ring that shows how you were never allowed to cry or show your true feelings. I mean, how about it? What, what, what do your rings say about you? One thing that I know for sure, if you and I are going to become cycle breakers, if we really want to thrive, if we want to grow strong and flourish and soar, then we have to have the courage to examine our rings. We have to examine our rings. I like the way Brene Brown puts it. She says, if we don't own our story, our story ends up owning us. And man, that is so true. And I'm learning that becoming a cycle breaker means that you have to take an honest look inside and tell yourselves the sometimes uncomfortable truth. Now, help me out with this. Make me feel better. Anybody else ever been driving and you hear a noise under the hood of the car and you just turn up the music? Anybody else do that? <laughs> like, man, I don't have time right now. I don't have money right now. Just crank it up and keep on driving, right? And you know how well that usually turns out. And I'm learning that the key to internal health starts with me turning down the noise, pulling over, popping the hood, and allowing Jesus, who is not only a phenomenal carpenter, but also a master mechanic, to let him get under there and just diagnose and fix whatever's going on in me. Like I said, this is about you and me owning, owning our generational patterns and behaviors and asking God to turn us into cycle breakers who in turn leave a legacy of goodness and faith and kindness and love. I'm so grateful for my parents. Um, they had me well into their 40s, and that's why I'm an only kid. Or age may not have had anything to do with it. They may have looked at me and went, ain't taking a risk on that ever happening again. I'm not sure. But my mom and dad uh, were good parents. They, uh, they provided for me. They spent time with me. They nurtured me. They coached me. Uh, they uh, pointed me to Jesus. They prayed for me. They uh, loved me and sacrificed for me. I, I, I met an older gentleman the other day, probably in his 90s who said to me, he goes, you're, you're Jerry Bro's son, aren't you? And people don't usually say that to me. I went, yes, I am. They said, I work with your dad at the, at the post office for over 30 years. And I can remember how he would take all the overtime they could possibly give him so he could pay for your seminary education. And I just stood there and got unexpectedly choked up because I never, ever knew that. And it just made me so grateful for them, and I, I miss them, and I can't wait to see them in heaven again someday. But there are also some levels of dysfunction that I've had to work through, and I'm sure my kids are probably working through some too, because none of us come from perfect families, right? But there were just some ways of coping and seeing others and reacting and thinking and feeling that I've had to work with God on changing inside of me. There were some generational insecurities that got passed along some unhealthy communication tactics, some anger issues, some racial junk, a little judgmentalism, some addictive tendencies that just got passed along that I've had to unlearn along the way. 
Rich Viotis, in his uh, excellent book, The Deeply Formed Life, writes, limited reflection leads to dangerous reaction. Limited reflection leads to dangerous reaction. And man, he's right on. If you and I don't take the time to look inside, if we just keep cranking up the music and driving through life, we will continue to pass along those unhealthy ways of reacting to people in life. In, in his book, Rich talks about how when we reflect on how we've been shaped by our family of origin, when you and I examine our rings, so to speak, it's helpful to keep in mind these three categories, patterns, trauma, and scripts. Patterns, trauma, and scripts. Patterns are the repeated behaviors, practices, habits, or ways of thinking that extend from one generation to the next. And when you and I are able to honestly name those patterns that we see in us, it sets us in a place of reality. And when you're working from a place of honesty and truth, you're well on your way toward freedom. Now, have you ever done something or said something and you stood back and went, oh my goodness, that sounded just like my dad. I swore I would never yell at my kid on the field. And I just did. That sounded just like my dad. I have a friend who has a coffee mug that says, every time I open my mouth, my mom comes out. <laughs> and you know what the things that we struggle with, the way we think, the way we see other people, the way we define success, the way we define beauty, the way we communicate may not just be because our parents struggle with those things. Chances are their parents struggle with those things. Chances are their parents struggle with those things. Chances are their parents struggle with those things. You see, even though Jesus might live in your heart, grandpa lives in your bones. Again, a bunch of us have certainly inherited a whole lot of positive legacies. If you sat down and listed some of the things, positive things that you have received from, from your family of origin, you might list things like good, strong work ethic, good money management, good manners. They may have passed along a, a love of nature to you, or perhaps they passed along a love of sports or music or the arts, or maybe they passed their faith along to you. I mean, a bunch of us are here because of a praying grandma out there somewhere, right? Most of us can name some very positive legacies that we have received. And, of course, if we're honest, there are some negative legacies as well. And maybe if you made a list of those, you would list things like workaholism or conflict avoidance or an inability to, com to commit in relationships or a short fuse or financial impulsiveness or even dishonesty. And plus, all of those things can get even more complex based on our religious upbringing or based on our cultural surroundings. I heard this old country song the other day when I was driving. The song was, that's how country boys roll. That's just the way we are. We might have been told, that's just the way we do things in Texas, son. Or perhaps a certain ethnic group may say, well, you know what? That's just how our people have always done things. And it complicates it. For instance, in some cultures, to show any sign of fear it's to communicate weakness. So it's communicated. Come on, shake it off. Throw some dirt on it. Don't cry out loud. Keep it inside. Learn how to hide your feelings. In other cultures, to express anger is frowned upon. In some churches, to show outward grief is a sign that you lack faith. So consequently, many people learn to avoid, repress, or rationalize away difficult feelings. I'm just telling you, identifying the patterns that are maybe getting repeated in your life Helps the lights to come on. Then alongside of patterns is trauma. This trauma. This is that deep inner ring stuff. And again, we all have rings. We can all point to some traumatic moment in our life or moments in our life that have shaped us in some way. People that have been, been abused in some way. 
people that have had a really unexpected, tragic loss in their life, they can go a lifetime dealing with those scars. And then there's not only the trauma of things that happen to you, but there's the trauma of things that failed to happen to you. I mean, you might say our, our, our family was together a lot, but honestly, we never received the affection or the warmth or the encouragement or the attachment that you need to thrive. I mean, we, we kept up a good image. Everybody in the neighborhood, everybody at church thought we were like the perfect family. But we swept a lot of stuff under the rug that we really needed to deal with. And I'm learning that when you examine your family of origin rings and you take inventory of that trauma, it provides space for the Holy Spirit to get in there and start to bring about some healing for you. As a kid growing up, my parents used to fight. That eventually uh, changed, gratefully. But when I was young, it scared me to death. I mean, scared me to death. I'm talking loud, angry, verbal assaults, a hole or two in the drywall. I have very vivid memories of a kid running to my bedroom, hitting my knees by my bed, and just praying, oh, God, make them stop. Please, God, make them stop. Don't let them get divorced, God. I mean, I hated the fear and anxiety that all that yelling put in me. I mean, I hated it. The, the volume, the profanity, the tension, I hated all of it. So when Debbie and I got married, that led me to completely shutting down in communication because I hated all that arguing. I witnessed it so much that I would just clam up and walk away and do the passive-aggressive thing. And needless to say, I had to unlearn a few things if our marriage was, was going to thrive. Regardless of the homes we grow up in, if we don't pay attention to those feelings in our core, that emotional pain like a cancer has a way of metastasizing, spreading, damaging the rest of our relationships. So patterns, trauma, and the last one is scripts. Scripts. Those are the roles that were handed out. That's the part in the family movie that you felt you were supposed to play. I was talking to one of my really good friends about this the other day, talking about scripts, and I asked him, what about you, man? And he told me that as a teenager in the house of a raging alcoholic dad, he saw his role as his mom's protector. That was the script that he felt was handed to him. He told me that one Thanksgiving, his dad got really drunk and started abusing his mom. And my friend, as a 14-year-old kid, picked up a toaster and knocked his dad out cold with it. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Maybe that was you. Maybe you played the role of protector or peacekeeper. Or perhaps early on, you had to learn how to become the man of the house, or you had to play like second mom. Or maybe you were expected to play the role of the all-star. Or maybe you were handed the script of, of the beauty pageant queen. Or maybe you got the script of the scholar. Now, of course, no actual script ever gets really handed to us, and none was really handed to me, but I knew early on my role, I was the glue. I, I was, that was my role. I, my role was to hold everything together. I thought to myself, come on, bro, you, you got to be the stable one here. you you got to be the peacemaker. And that script marked my life as a pastor, as a teacher, as a leader, as a husband, as a friend, as a dad. I mean, working through this stuff has given me a window into my soul and exposed some things that I needed to open up and let Jesus touch with his love. I like what Bob Goff says. He says, insecurities cannot be conquered, but they can be understood. And understanding gives us power over them. I'm just telling you, understanding and living in the reality of who I am in God's eyes has changed me so much. Because now I know, I know that I'm accepted. I know that I'm totally secure. I know that I'm significant because I'm his. 
Plus, you know what else I've learned? Jesus is the glue. The Bible says that he's the one who holds all things together. That's his role, not mine. So examining my rings and getting his eyes on my inner world has and still is changing me. The Psalms are a great place to see this model of emotional honesty. It's so good to see how David and the other writers just pour out their hearts to God. I mean, they come to God with raw honesty, unfiltered thinking, just rage, questions, doubts, joys, worship. They come to God with their patterns, with their trauma, with their scripts. And I just love the vulnerability of especially Psalm 139. Just look for a minute at what David writes in Psalm 139. He just says, oh Lord, You've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my every thought when far away. You chart the path ahead of me, and you tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment, you know where I am. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You both precede and follow me. Think about that. Nobody else has that capability. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Oh, such knowledge is just, it is too wonderful for me, too great for me to know. Here's this guy pouring out his heart saying, God, I am so grateful that I am known by you. You know me better than anybody else. You know me better than I know me. And that kind of knowledge just blows me away. He goes on. He says, I can, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heaven, you're there. If I go down the place of the dead, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Oh, I I could ask the darkness to hide me and I could ask the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, I can't hide from you. And what's cool about this to me is that David's not freaked out about God's omnipresence. He is not saying here, dang, God, I can't get away with anything with you. Seems like you've got security cameras all over the place. No, he's saying, listen, you you not only know me, you are constantly with me. Because the truth is, God, I can fake out other people. I can shake other people, but I can't fake and shake you. I can isolate and hide from other people, but I can't isolate and hide from you. And God, I just got to tell you, that gives me so much peace. Your constant presence gives me such security. And then he pens these kind of famous words. He says, God, since all this is true, since you see like nobody else sees and you know me like nobody else knows me, I have a request. Would you help me examine my rings? Search me, O God. Just know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything you see in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You just come to God and God, what's going on in here? What am I bad about? What am I sad about? What am I anxious about? What brings me great joy? What what triggers me and, and why? God, do you see any patterns in me that I'm repeating? What, what trauma, what hurt am I still holding on to that I need to let go of? Do you see any bitterness, any resentment rolling around in me? Is there any forgiveness I need to offer? Are there some roles that I'm still playing because of the script I was handed as a kid? God, I'm just asking you to get your eyes on me because you see like nobody else. What's true about me that maybe I can't see? 
or I haven't had the courage to deal with because, Lord, the truth is I don't want to just crank up the music and keep on driving anymore. I want to become a cycle breaker. Now, this takes honesty, and it takes patience. But I would encourage you to take the time and pray a prayer like that, to sit down and write it out in your own words and just ask the questions and get the eyes of grace and wisdom on your inner rings. Let me show you another verse. This is one my wife Debbie has prayed with our kids and grandkids now is almost every night as long as I can remember. It's kind of an easy one to get in your heart. It's Psalm 25. It says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. And I thought that maybe we could just combine these two prayers from the Psalms, kind of smash them together in one cycle-breaking request, kind of make this the prayer for our little series here, and just say, search me, O God, show me your ways, teach me your paths, guide me in your truth. Won't you say that with me? Search me, O God, show me your ways, teach me your paths, guide me in your truth. When we pray a prayer like that, sincerely, Not only do we open ourselves up to any blind spots or any unhealthy patterns or hidden junk or any shadow side, but we're also opening ourselves up to the gaze and the grace and the unfailing love of our perfect Father. And listen, self-reflection is huge, but it's just the gate. You have to walk through the gate, and you have to do the hard work ahead. But I'm telling you, when we say this stops with me, This stops with me. We have the ability to walk with greater freedom because we're untangling ourselves from this web of generational dysfunction, and we really start to become a cycle breaker. We become this presence of light that's much more capable of flourishing in all of our relationships. One more quick lesson from these redwood trees. Now, you need to know, I did some intensive research on redwood trees. Okay, I Googled it. I Googled it. But did you know that these huge trees that soar up to 300 feet tall, guess how how deep their root system is? Five or six feet deep. That's it. 300-foot tree, five or six deep root system. That shocked me. But here's what's so cool about these trees. The redwood roots all intertwine with each other's roots. They extend outward like 100 feet from the circumference of the tree, and every tree is supported and sustained by the larger, wider system of intertwining roots from all the other trees, and that's what provides stability and enables them to soar high into the sky. Think there might be a lesson in there for us? You see, not only do we need to examine our rings if we're going to become cycle breakers, we have to extend our roots. We have to extend our roots. One of the most glaring things to come out of the past 18 months of lockdowns and masks up and isolation is we need each other. We were created to do life together. That's the genius of God's design. We were supposed to see each other smile. We were supposed to feel each other's touch. We were made to eat together and hang together and share together and laugh together and cry together and worship together and pray together and play together. We we were supposed to embrace each other as vitally important for our personal growth. I mean, you might have been told growing up, hey, don't get too close to people. Don't let anybody see what's really going on inside. You keep it together because image is everything. Only let them see the Instagram version of your life. Doesn't matter how you feel, only matters how you look, so suck it up, stuff it down, trust nobody but yourself, be strong, be independent, you look out for number one. 
And our heavenly father comes along and says, no, no, all of that, all of that is wrong. If you don't open up, you will shrivel up and die. You need me and you need each other. I made you that way. I long for you to be fully alive and growing and flourishing and soaring into the sky to show a watching world that my love and goodness is available to them too. And the key to all that happening is first of all, it's like it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And not just five or six feet down, but deeply rooted in the truth of his love for you. To grasp how wide, how high, how deep, how long his love is for you to be deeply rooted in his love. And then we are to extend our roots and intertwine our lives with each other, supporting each other, and being real with each other, and listening to each other, and confessing to each other, and encouraging each other, and challenging each other, and serving each other, and learning together, and unlearning together, so we can soar together. When I, when I saw this picture of the Redwood Root System, I immediately thought of some really, really close friends of mine. I, I got some buddies that are that for me. Um, they mean the world to me. I can unpack all kinds of stuff. I've, I've unpacked all this generational junk with them, and they keep me from placing blame, making excuses. They won't let me play the victim card ever. They just challenge me to own my story and my reaction to the story. They encourage me. They, they uh, remind me of my unique calling and my unique gifting, and they also point out blind spots and hold me accountable but they love me unconditionally. And I'm just telling you, it's so important to have people like that in your life. Grab a trusted friend or two in your life. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says a person standing alone, they can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And you know, three, it's even better for a triple braided cord. Oh, that's not easily broken. And everybody I know that has become a cycle breaker in their life has a strong root system. One that goes deep into God's love and extends to include some trusted friends. I think we resist extending our roots because we get thinking, nobody's as screwed up as me. I can't tell anybody about my inner rings because I'm embarrassed. I got a lot of shame. You know what I've discovered? Most of us are like the rest of us. We all have rings. We all have patterns and trauma and scripts. We all have stuff we'd rather not share. We all have things we're not proud of. We, and, and those hidden things, those hidden things are what keep us repeating generational dysfunction. Like my friend Carlos Whitaker says, we spend our lives fighting through cobwebs when we need to kill the spider. Get honest with God and somebody else about what's causing all these cobwebs. It's why God tells us in James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your sins to each other. Open up and pray for each other so that you would be healed. There's healing when you open up and intertwine your roots with other people. Listen to me. Shame cannot survive the light of vulnerability. Shame just can't survive the light of vulnerability. Open up. I remember a guy opening up with me and sharing a secret sin, something he'd been hiding for a long time, a generational sin. And as he talked, it was almost like I could physically see a burden falling off his shoulders. He told me a couple of days later, he goes, bro, man, when I got home after we talked, I went directly and got on the bathroom scale because I thought I lost a bunch of weight. He goes, I didn't, but it, felt, it sure felt like it. There's healing. There's healing. 
and being known. I would encourage you to choose somebody that, that cares about you, somebody that can keep a confidence, somebody who's not going to gossip or post something negative about you on social media. Probably don't need to tell the National Enquirer. Just find some trusted friends who understand this value of intertwining root system. And those kind of people are all over the Lake Point family and available to you. And if you'd like to find those people and get connected, you can just text the word GROUP to 20411. There is such healthy, grace-filled community here. But just open up to somebody, someone who knows the Lord well enough that they can reflect his grace and wisdom to you. Maybe it's somebody who's been exactly where you are. Maybe somebody who's dealt with similar generational cycles, a close, trusted friend, or maybe even a Christian counselor. And you just humbly and courageously, you go to them and you say, "Uh, listen, God and I have been doing a little cross-section of my life. I've been examining the rings, so to speak, of my life, and I got some stuff it's just been passed down for decades. And I'll be just wondering if, if you would listen to me, just kind of listen to what I've been discovering about myself. I'm not looking for answers. I'm looking for you to have, have any quick solution. I'm just looking for a friend that might be able to help me become a cycle breaker. Some of you know I occasionally will write one of those spoken word pieces. Other than that, I'm not much of a poetry guy whatsoever. But I ran across this one the other day. It really spoke to me. So how did the rose ever open its heart? and give to the world all of its beauty. It felt the encouragement of light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened. Rings and roots, rings and roots, rings and roots. So what do you say we hang out here together for the next couple of weeks, and we let the light of God touch us deeply, and let him help us unlearn a few things. And maybe we can get proactive starting today about intertwining our lives with each other. And let's pray that God would turn us into men and women who would break cycles and soar high into the sky. There's another prayer that Debbie prays with our kids. And she'll pull them up close and hug them and say, well, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. It's a generational blessing. And we're going to sing that together in just a moment. And I hope as we sing, you would experience the peace of God just raining down on your family for generation after generation after generation. I'm going to ask you all to stand right now, all of our campuses, those of you online even, invite you to stand, and we're going to sing this blessing together. But before we do that, let me just uh, lead us in prayer. Uh, Father, um, first of all, just so grateful that uh, we can call you Father. And when we call you Father and we cry out to you as Abba, as Daddy, we know that you're perfect. Unlike us, God, you know, it's coming from an imperfect dad. I need you so bad in my life. And uh, I thank you for bringing me through a lot of junk inside. Thank you for the way you still reveal stuff. Like every day, there's something that pops up and you go, that needs a little bit of tension right there or that reaction happened because thank you for the way you just constantly, your Holy Spirit moves in us and helps us move the right direction a place, toward a place of freedom and lightness and love. I pray that for everybody here. So there's, there's probably in a crowd this size a bunch of people carrying stuff they don't need to carry. 
And I know right now you're just saying, just give it to me. Let, let me bless your life. Open up about what's going on inside of you with somebody else. Just pray that prayer. Search me, oh God, because I, I want to. I want to search you and reveal some stuff. I want to take you to the root. I want to take you all the way to the spider so you can get after it. Thank you, God, for friends. Thank you for family members we can lean into. Thank you for things that go on here at this church where people can unpack stuff and get, in, get into recovery. And Father, I, I pray that uh, we would become men and women who say, this stops with me. And from here on out, the legacy is love and goodness and love and, and, and faith. Pray all this in Jesus' name. And those who agreed said, amen. Let's, let's worship together. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Lake